Welcome, welcome once again, 720 and 720. We have a guest with us that one of the former guests kept on talking about, and I said he couldn't dribble, and so then I got in trouble for it. And so we were nice enough to uh, extend an invitation to Murray State Assistant Coach Casey Long. Casey, welcome to 720 and 720. Thank you for 720 for having me. <laughs> now, th- let's get this out of the way. Could you dribble a basketball in 0405? I could dribble a basketball and get the ball to where it needed to go to. And and that was kind of the whole premise of it is just get the ball to its spot and let the players be players. <laughs> did you uh, did you face up? Did you break some ankles back in the day, Casey, at Chattanooga? Later in my career. Later, later in my career. What yeah, playing church in league or industrial league or I mean, when yeah. later on in your career? Like maybe towards the end of the senior year, but you know, my sophomore year was especially during the tournament run, it was about getting the ball to the other players on the team that were really good. So I, I think I tried to do my job as best as I could. All right. Well, let, let me explain to everybody who Casey Long is. Because what we're trying to do, Casey, we're trying to help, you know, coaches and players and business leaders and teachers, whoever. Uh, I, and I'm going to ask you a couple questions as 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 we go. Uh, Casey Long uh, came to Chattanooga to play at Chattanooga for Coach Lebo and myself. Um, he was really probably more of a combo, um, couldn't dribble the ball, uh, wasn't a great shooter, was a really good athlete, uh, and became just this gigantic champion of a human. Am I right or wrong? That's pretty accurate. I mean, you won. Okay, tell me, what, what was your, you know, you, you graduated in, in four years. Tell me, I mean, what was your GPA? I know I should know it. What was your GPA? 3.0. All right, so you had a 3.0. Uh, you, your work ethic, where did that work ethic come from? Because, I, I, you know, tell us about your work ethic. Well, the work ethic actually came from my dad. Uh, I came from a military background, and, you know, one of the things that he always instilled in me is if you want to get something, you've got to be able to work for it. And so for me, my work ethic came from growing up, having to do little things like cutting grass on a weekend early in the morning, make sure you do your chores, just little things like that. And having to understand that in order to have the opportunity to play basketball, you had to do the other stuff off the court uh, to get to that point. And so for me, it, it came from my father and then watching a lot of the other people around me, you know, for at Chattanooga especially, a, a lot of the, the drive and the hard work I came, that came came from my freshman year being around guys like Ashley Champion, Jason Rogan, Ray Trial, because those guys were always tell they were great seniors. They were always telling us like if you want to accomplish something, you gotta work for it. And especially Champion. He 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 would take me in the gym and show me what he did and, and he would always be the one, the first one in the gym and last one to leave, especially when it came to pickup games, shooting, things like that. So I tried to learn from people as I, I went on the road of playing basketball. Well your your work ethic, um was was just different and i love the word uncommon your work ethic was uncommon and and you know were you a probably a gifted basketball player coming into chattanooga no you were an unbelievable athlete and you became a really good player because you worked on your game and and it was not brain surgery you just got in the gym and worked uh, I remember going in there on a Sunday afternoon. We just lost, we a recruit had just left, and you were in the gym with the gun, and you and Ricky Hood were in there working your tail end off. Uh, t- I mean, tell me how how much t- help some players right now. 
How much did you work? How much did you work? What was your thought? What was your thought process? You early in the morning, late at night? You, you had to make a certain amount of shots. What What was your deal? Well, my, my first mindset was whenever I can get an opportunity to go in the gym, I would. Uh, whether it was before class, after class, whether it was before practice or after practice, whether it was grabbing some teammates to play one-on-one or grabbing some teammates to shoot. Anytime I had an opportunity to go in the gym, I did. And the reason I did that was something, you know, something you told me my sophomore year, well, going into my sophomore year, that I never forgot as a player. You know, we were coming in, Coach Lebo was transitioning out, you know, transitioning as a head coach. He set me down, I remember we were on the fourth floor in the McKenzie Arena. He told me, say, hey, you know, we're bringing in some other point guards. You know, we're going to, we want you to play point, but you're also going to have a chance to play off the ball, things like that. And so for my mentality, uh, I said that I wanted to be a point guard. So in order for me to be the point guard at Chattanooga, uh, I didn't take it personally that a coach told me that. I took it as respect and the respect that coach told me that. And I just got to the gym and just worked and worked and worked until I couldn't work anymore. Had a summer job that year and worked then, went to work at 6 o'clock, got off at 4.30, got my weights in, still played pickup, got my academics in. And I didn't look at it as punishment. I didn't look at it as something that I'm going to be tired from. I looked at it as something that I needed to do in order to get to the goal I wanted to reach. And with that drive and the motivation of trying to be the point guard at Chattanooga, I, I think that work became easy and work became fun. And so I, I think especially for anybody that wants to play basketball, they got to understand it. You know, coaches, you know, they have a goal. They want to win games. And they want to make you a better person. But in order to do that, when they tell you an honest conversation about where you're at on a depth chart or where you potentially will be on a depth chart, that's not set in stone. It's what you want to make it. And I'll never forget that conversation because it drove a lot of my work, especially being at Chattanooga and all the great point guards that we had come in there to, to be a, be the point guard on the championship team. Yeah, we had uh, we had Jarese and Kenny Hunt coming in. We did. We and, did. And Jarese was a daggum blur, and Kenny could score that ball. And um, he was highly rated. And and who won the job? You won the job, and you kept the job. And all you did was beat Tennessee at Tennessee, and all you did was win the regular season title, and all you did was win the uh, tur- tournament title, and all you did was lead Wake Forest and Chris Paul at half until LeBron came and sat right behind our bench, and then every- <laughs> it screwed up everybody. Uh, but no, I still remember. You know, it, it was very fitting to me uh, that 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 whole year came down to one possession. It came down to one possession, and we we sat there with about uh, eleven, twelve seconds to go in that timeout, and um, you know we had to defend. And uh, we were up, I think we were up three at the time. And, and it, very fitting that Ricky Hickman comes down and, and you stun on him and he throws it right to you. <laughs> and and like I've always said, uh, we would have won by three if you could have dribbled. Uh, as, you, as you fly down the court dribbling that ball, you about turned the daggum ball over, allowed him to foul you. You go one for two. Mendagas gets an offense rebound. And you don't even know this, but Mendagas threw that ball up in the – up in the air, the ball never came back down. No, no, the, Coach. The ball, the ball got stuck on in the scoreboard. You, you know what's amazing, Coach, about that whole moment is it, it, it talks about work ethic because, you know, we had put a, a defense in, point defense. Yep. You know, we haven't done it all year. Yep. Um, we pulled it out in certain situations, and you called a timeout, and you drew it up what we needed to do, and then at that point, you got to trust all the work you put in. And 
we grinded on defense. We worked oh. hard on defense. I mean, it, it was the base of what we were going to be. And so with that, it was a comfort in, in knowing what was going on on the court because you knew you had maxed out in practice and you knew you had gave it your all, all season. So when it still happened, yeah, I, I didn't know. I, I didn't remember what the play was or anything <laughs> like that. I remember splitting the line. I remember McDonald's getting the ball. But the one thing I remembered is all the work we put in came down to what we've been working the hardest on, and we accomplished our goal doing what we do best. And you can't get me chills on a podcast, but I'm no. I, I tell you what we what we were and for young for young coaches and coaches everywhere. We were very, you know, and I can't say I was like this with all the teams. We were very honest with you guys and we were very honest with our team. And and we were one of the worst shooting teams in America. Uh we yeah. We beat Belmont at Belmont and we went 1 for 19 from the three-point line. I remember uh, that. I mean, we, we, we weren't very good offensively, and, and what we told our team was if we defended and we rebounded that ball, it would give us a shot to win games, and, and we weren't very good offensively. So we didn't lie to our team. We told our team exactly what we were, and if y'all want to be any good, you're going to have to defend and you're going to have to rebound. And, and I still remember on that daggum video, uh, Ricky Hood, offense puts fans in stands, defense wins championships, and we're here to win the championship. And then Ricky thought he was an offensive player two years later <laughs> at Elon. I remember that one too. Uh, oh, all right, God, but, but we're going to we're going to move forward. Uh, we're going to move forward from that. But your work ethic. So you okay? Here's what I want to know. And for it, you know, we've talked about some podcasts, and you heard Cy and and high energy, and 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 then we just talked to a business leader. He's talking about high energy, and and um, you were. The, you know, look in a dictionary at high energy, and your your head, your picture comes up. <laughs> Why and how, and you do that on purpose? That's just who you are, or what? You, you are the highest energy guy I know, besides myself. I appreciate that, Coach. I mean, my why and why I feel like you got to be high energy, especially anything that you do, is because it, it attracts other people to you. It attracts other people to the program. It attracts other people to your work ethic. If you bring in energy, everybody else wants to raise their level. And, you know, I wanted to win. Um, I felt all my teammates wanted to win. So in order for us to get to where we needed to get to, you know, you got to have fun doing it. And part of having fun is is, is the energy you bring. And I, and I, I truly enjoy playing basketball. It, it's what I wanted to do. You know, a lot of people that, you know, want to play Division One basketball, want an opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament, want an opportunity to be professional. What you got to do is you, you got to want to do it. You got to have a desire to do it. Because if you're doing it and you're not invested, you know, those tour days or those sprints or those weightlifting sessions won't be as fun. And you start asking, well, well why am I doing this? Does this matter? Does this make sense to do? But if you have a desire to do something, you look at the positive of it, and you and you attack it just like you attack anything else. So for me, I think that that was the most important thing for me of why I wanted to enjoy the process and why I came to work with a smile on my face. And when I came to the gym, I think every practice was going to be competitive because we're going to have fun doing it. You know, running five and a half and running sprints may have not been the funnest thing to do, but we knew it was what we needed to do to get to where we wanted to. Well, that's the second thing. Casey, your smile. Listen, I know it probably wasn't a lot of fun to do three-on-three jump to the ball every single day to start practice. 
but you always smiled and you always faked enthusiasm or whatever. You always had a smile on your face. Well, well Coach, that goes into the how because it, 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 it's hard to fake it when it's natural. Like, I, I, was, I was blessed to understand that Division One opportunities don't happen for everybody. You know, I started in Louisiana as, as a high school kid playing with great players. I moved to North Carolina to a, a place where basketball was king. I go to a high school where, you know, we had one player signed to Florida State and one player signed to Clemson before I got there. My sophomore year, I played with a player that signed to Ole Miss. And so I never knew that opportunity was going to happen to play Division One. So in order for me to earn respect, I had to play hard and earn some stripes on that team. So going to work with a smile or going to play basketball with a smile was the basis because if I didn't have the attitude to want to play, that the coach had no no reason to play me on the court. So I had to bring something different to the team. I, I wasn't one of the guys that came and grew up with it and knew everybody. I had to fit in. So in order to fit in, I had to be myself and just play as hard as I possibly can and enjoy doing it. And so, yeah, doing three-on-three jump to the ball may have not been fun, but every day in the back of my head I realized that I didn't have to be there. It was a free education that I was getting just because I could put the ball in the hoop or pass it to somebody or play defense. And that you don't take anything like that for granted because the minute you do, you've missed an opportunity. So I wanted to, if, if I was going to play basketball and I was going to go to Chattanooga and, and try to uh, be not only a player there, but understand that I'm representing my family, the community, my coach, the name on the front of the jersey, if I wanted to do all of that, I had to do it with the, with the attitude that you have to hold a smile on your face and you got to give it everything you got. Casey, you should have gotten coaching. Oh, that's right. That's right. No, <laughs> my, my fault. All right. All right. I, I will tell you this, and then we're going to go to the coaching part. Um, you know, looking back on it and, and, and see why, you know, see why we'll claim he recruited you. He didn't even know your name, by the way. Let me just tell you that. All right. Um, high energy guys and positive people. I, I've talked to high level business leaders that, that say, I don't want any negativity around me get them out of here get them out of the room i want positive people and positive people only well you know and i talked to coach mcmahon uh earlier when i came up watch y'all practice and i was like you know casey long brings a positive demeanor every single day y'all can lose two in a row and casey's gonna say man we're gonna we're gonna win the next four now i don't think at murray state you ever lose two in a row especially (laughs) with morant but um you know i you know where is that positive you know you think you can conquer the world you couldn't dribble and we and we you couldn't dribble and you were a better point guard that night than chris paul how does that happen tell me well coach i think the first part of that is mentality you know, your mentality has to be if, if you can't dribble, if somebody says you can't do anything, it, that doesn't mean you can't do it. That means you just got to work hard to prove them wrong. <laughs> so, you know, for me, it's, it's the mentality of doing that and understanding that whether you're coaching player, whether you're working in a regular job, whether you're going to school, taking a test, it's all in the mentality that you got to know that you can get anything you want to accomplish no matter what anybody says. And then that will drive you to be a better person, better player, uh, a better coach so you know with my mentality yeah i, I probably wasn't going to be the best at everything but you know when when that, when that opportunity ended when the game was over when i left the class i was you're going to leave saying that he gave it his all and he's one of either the better students better people or better athletes on the court so yes you got to have a smile when you do these things you know and and 
I know a lot of people might think it's it's crazy. Just a simple smile affects everything, but it does because it becomes contagious. You know, it makes people want to be there, and it makes you want to be there. You know, sometimes, you know, you might not have it. You might feel a little down. You might feel a little sick, but if you're smiling, your teammate can get you going. It's a big deal to get through a two-hour practice <laughs> or get through a big day. You know, nobody wants to be around someone who who's always looking at the negative side of things or bringing toxic energy to to the gym. Because what happens is you look at everything through the lens of uh, not only why am I doing this, is I don't have to do this to be the player I want to be. I don't have to do this to be the coach I want to be. You know, I can do this by just doing X, Y, Z. Well, that's not the case. Because you're working with people, you're working with players, you're working with administration that they want to help. And people are more open to help you if you're bringing something positive to the table. So, you know, it's it's common. You know, again, my my family helped me a ton with it, but I feel like I represent my family everywhere I go. So if I'm going to represent my family, I want them to look at me and say, hey, you know, he came from a great background because he how he carries himself. It's always bigger than the you in any situation. And I try to keep that in the back of my head as I progress forward. Uh, you're going to be progressing way forward, son, with that attitude. Um, <laughs> I, I, let me tell you this. Uh, go, we'll, we'll rewind a little bit. Uh, we were at East Tennessee State. Uh, Casey, we had gone to three straight NCAA tournaments. We're at Austin P. It was a non-league game. Um, we get beat. We, we didn't ever get beat back in the day. And we got beat by Austin P. Uh, we spent the night. I was miserable. Lebo was miserable. We had a guy named Ed Howitt. We were all miserable. We had to drive back, and we knew as soon as we were going to get back, we were going to practice for about three hours because that was what our boss did. Okay, so we drove all we drove all morning back from Clarksville to Johnson City, and Coach Force stood up and he said, "Be on a practice court in thirty minutes." And and there were we were miserable, and so Ed Howitt and Jeff Lebo and myself we made a little pack. We said, "Okay, here's what we're going to do." We're going to see how positive we can be today. We're going to cheer. We're going to go nuts. Whoever, whoever's the most positive guy, the other two guys got to buy him dinner that night. We were all, <laughs> we were all young and dumb and single. And, and we went out there and acted like a bunch of fools. And, and we got everybody juiced up, and the kids got juiced up, and they had a blast at practice. We had a blast at practice. And we beat James Madison and Lefty Giselle that next night. We were up 25 at half and coasted to a win. It was a joke. And That's so amazing. I, I think you're right. I, you know, there's going to be days you don't feel like coming off, but you can still choose your attitude. Absolutely. And you can choose to be positive, and you've always chosen to be positive, and uh, you're pretty special at it. Uh, well, you know what, Coach, the other part of that is, too, is, you know, playing for you and playing for the staff we had and the players that I played with, you know, it was easy to be positive because everybody was trying to reach the common goal. Yeah. You know, it, it was interesting because we're all underdogs. You know, even when you got the job, we knew it as players. Like, hey, Coach Schulman got hired. This is his first opportunity. You know, he's big on defense. We knew we were going to fire every time in the post. <laughs> we knew exactly what we were going to do. But we believed in what you do, so we didn't want to make it harder on the coaches nothing we wanted to do was to make it harder we wanted to make it easier and we had made a pack as a team that we were going to do the best we possibly can and bring that attitude to the gym because like you said if the coach is bringing the energy and you see it and you feel it in your bones and the coach is giving everything he got to make this team be the best team as they possibly can be as a player you 
feel like you're holding the team back if you're not doing the same. And I, I, I distinctively remember my freshman year, we went to Charleston and got blew out, and I had one of the worst games I ever possibly could do in basketball as a freshman. Yeah, I remember. We went to East Tennessee State as a freshman and got absolutely annihilated the game. And so the team we returned, we added a few pieces to that team, but we returned essentially the same team. And the only thing that shifted in the game was the mentality. And I remember playing East Tennessee State that year, and we played them at home, and I think we beat them 94-53 to at one point. Yeah. And they still had the best player in the league on the team. They yeah. still had a, a most talented team. But the only thing shifted was the mentality. It was the belief that we're going to have fun doing what we do because there's a, there's a sense of fun in the work ethic that you accomplish, which you bring every day. Because if you know what you're doing on the court, at the end of the day, it's going to be easy, and you're going to have fun doing it. So, no, that underdog mentality really played a role in, you know, being enjoying practice and enjoying the game. But before we move, I'm just going to tell you this, and I'm I'm getting old, but let me just tell you this. Uh, there was a play in the first half of that game where Timmy Smith, and that's who Casey's talking about, best player on the floor. Timmy Smith came down that floor on a break, and like always, he was going to score the ball. He was going to score 40. East Tennessee State was going to win. But on this day, Casey, I remember you stole it from him on the break, and it, it, it changed the whole complexion of the game, that one play. And and you changed – I ain't going to lie to you, man. I, me and CY would fight about you in the hallway. and <laughs> You changed the whole complexion of the deal because of kind of who you are. And, and what you've done in coaching is the same deal. And, and you know, now – you know, I ain't going to lie to you. Now you don't have an underdog role. Now you're playing you're, – you're coaching the next Steph Curry – uh, you're on ESPN every night, and uh, you went to the NCAA tournament last year. Hey, tell me this, NCAA tournament, different as a coach or a player? Tell me. Uh, it's, it's different as a coach. It's different as a coach. I, I never thought I would say that, but it is. Because as a player, honestly, you invest all the time in, and, and you work on your game, and, and you reach a goal, and you're the one team, especially in the Southern Conference, that make it, and it's hard. It's really hard to get there. As a coach, you start to appreciate it a little bit more because yeah. you're watching the day-to-day grind. You're watching these players become men. You're watching the fact that not only are they working on the game, they're working on the academics, they're working on growing themselves. And you become invested in their lives a whole lot more than yours because you want to see them win in anything they do. And so when you see them reach the NCAA tournament and then we as a, a staff and a program reach the NCAA tournament, you you begin to see their faces and understand is this is why I do it. Yeah, you know because there's going to be a lot of losses and there's going to be a lot of tears every year because someone's career is ending and then another person's career is starting to take a bigger role as you're bringing other guys. But the one thing you can never take is is you know that joy seeing their face when they accomplish what they dream to do in college basketball. So as a coach, I'm enjoying it a whole lot more because you know you, you think about the time that you know. As players, you just go to the gym, you get your shots up, you go home, and you enjoy yourself. When as a coach, you get there, you got to watch the film, you got to scout the team, you got to make sure they understand what's going on, you got to get them back in the gym, you got to make sure they're going to class, you got to make sure they're taking pride in their academics, you got to make sure they're taking pride in how they handle themselves off the court. And as you do all those things, and you see people do it right, you know, as you bring up John, and you see guys that continually, it's not just John, it's our whole roster who do things right the success that they have with them doing it right you know you start to get a smile on your face and you start to be happy that they're doing it yeah yeah I you know I still as a coach I still remember I guess really 
at that moment, but also watching on film, we got some raw footage of, of Ricky Hood. I'll never forget Ricky Hood. Ricky Hood couldn't control his emotion after that game. And and it, it was it was number one, it was emotional to watch that and, and I mean for you guys to be able to live that dream and, and for me to be part of it, it's pretty cool. So I Well you gotta think it too, coach. I mean if Ricky Hood is an example, you know. Ricky Hood came in, you know, my freshman year was his red shirt freshman year, um, red shirt sophomore year, because he chose the red shirt for a senior, you know, to get better. And most players nowadays, they're not red shirt. If they red shirt for an injury or something like that, he red shirted to just get better. Yeah. And he came in as a red shirt sophomore, and I was a true sophomore. And we were both captains as sophomores, and our careers just took off from there. But he was the epitome of what you need to do to t- make a sacrifice. Yeah. He was doing that for the betterment of the team, and it worked out. And I think that's something else that goes into understanding work ethic is to understanding where you're at. You know, that's more important than anything, too, as well, because if you're not where you want to be, you know, you got to block out all the outside noise and, un- and evaluate yourself and say, how do I get better? Where am I at? Because if you don't block out the noise and let other people tell you how good you are, and what you should be doing and stuff like that, it never works out how you think it's going to work out. And he he's, you know, again, one of my best friends. He, he's hes one of the guys that I look to in that because he, he did something that no very few people do nowadays. Well, he also sacrificed a lot offensively uh, just to be that defender. And then he fouled Gross on a three-point play, and we will talk about that. We won't talk about that now. All right, all right, um, Casey. Tell me, tell young assistant coaches, tell young assistant coaches that are dying to begin in college, and give them three or four things that to be a great assistant coach. What 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 do you need to do? Well, uh, again, I'll just speak from my point of view and just from what I've I've dealt with. I would say the first one you got to do is you got to be humble. You got to have tremendous humility and in, in, in being a coach because, you know, the first thing you realize is not about you and you are given an opportunity and you're blessed with opportunity that you don't have to have. Because there's many people, many, many managers, many graduate assistants, many former players, many players, anybody that's trying to get into coaching that, that are, can outwork you any day, that can be smarter than you any day, that can bring more energy than you any day. So you got to be humble to the point that you understand, like, I don't take anything for granted. And I'm going to enjoy it and give everything I got every day. And, you know, I've been blessed. I, I, you know, I've been in some spots that, that have been great, great schools for the league they're in and great schools across the nation. And in every one of those spots, I never took it for granted that I had the opportunity to coach there. You know, I, I was working at Enterprise Rental Car before you came and got me. <laughs> and you had to convince me. I, I remember coming to your house and you convinced me to coach. Well, you know, I've always wanted to be a coach, but in my back of my head, I'm like, man, I'm making a lot of money here, sacrifice this, that, and the other. And then when I decided to go do it, I blocked all that stuff out and understood, like, I'm invested in coaching now, and I got to be very appreciative of the opportunity. And, you know, I, that was at Chattanooga. I go to VCU, and, and we're following one of the, the greatest coaches that's ever been a part of VCU's history, let alone the nation. And, you know, my humility being with Coach Wade and being with the staff there and the great grad assistants I've had, you know, they kind of told me, like, hey, you know, Coach, I'm going to do this. This is something I want to do. And every day you go in there and have a constant reminder, like, you don't have to be in this position to help people. So, you know, fast forward, I'm at Murray State now working with an unbelievable staff and having unbelievable players and an unbelievable administration, an unbelievable environment. 
I don't have to be here because there have been great coaches before this, and there's going to be great coaches after this. So I think, to me, the first thing you have to do to be a great assistant coach is be humble. The second thing I think you have to do to be a great assistant coach is you got to work very hard. You know, there's going to be hours that the co- that the head coach puts on the sheet that you got to do, but you also got to understand you got to do more outside of those hours. And you can't do it sometimes to say, hey, you got a pat on the back. You got to do it knowing that you're making the program better than what, what it was before you got there. And so that that's going to count for some extra recruiting calls. That's going to count for some extra film study, extra workouts with the players, extra time getting to know professors, extra time getting to know administration, extra time getting to know your players, going to see players on their time and not just yours. You know, every little detail that you can think of matters when you're helping yourself and you're helping the program get better. So you've got to work towards that. And anything that you can think of in your head and say, I haven't done that day, get a pen and paper, write it down, and remember to do it the next day. And I think that's important because, you know, a lot of people, again, it goes back to taking it for granted. If you take this opportunity for granted and you say, I'm going to rest on my laurels and I'm not going to work as hard as I need to do, I'm just going to do just enough, that's the time something slips and it can cost you and it can cost your program. And you never want to embarrass the program or the coach because of a lack of effort and a lack of working. So I think you got to work hard and, 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 you know, be humble. And the third thing I was trying you know, to be a great assistant coach, you know, just from my point of view is you got to enjoy it. You know, I mean, if you're humble and, and you understand the position and you're working hard, you got to enjoy being an assistant coach because everyone would love to be a head coach. But you can't skip the process. You got to enjoy being assistant. You got to enjoy the fact that you get to know the players. You got to enjoy the fact that you get to know, do these little things, get to know the administration, working with them. Because I've never been a head coach, um, but I've also I've I've been a branch manager when I was working at Enterprise. And I always ask myself, you know, when I tell the story, like how do they correlate? Well, you know, when you're an assistant manager somewhere, it's good because there's somebody ahead of you that's you know responsible if something goes wrong. When you're the head person and something goes wrong, it's not a matter about who did it. It's a matter of how do you fix it because you're in, you're in charge. Whereas a head coach, you're overseeing this huge giant of a program with stuff that people can never imagine what you got to worry about. So as an assistant coach, how do you make that guy's life easier? That's the first thought. But then how do you enjoy learning how to get better within it? So I, I, I just take the fact that I enjoy being an assistant and, and learning the little things that can help me be better, help the program get better, and enjoying the people I work with. I mean, you're going to spend a – you know, I didn't know this. You know, you have to spend a lot of time in the gym as players, but you spend a lot of time in the gym as coaches with each other, with the people you work with. And if you're not enjoying that process, enjoying getting to know them, their families, and all the little details that go within getting to know a person, then you're missing opportunities because you're going to have lifelong relationships as your coach and as you're playing. And I think that's just important to enjoy those three things. Well, I, I think staff chemistry is vital because um, you're right. You're with each other all the time, on the bus, in the hotel. You're with each other in the great times and the tough times and the bad times. And, and then, But I think you're also right. Um, a kid, you know, one of your assistants, their kids uh, has to go to the hospital or, or something happens at school. Y'all are in it together. You're a family. Y'all are in that thing together. And uh, you all, I've watched y'all practice. Yeah, I had a great practice, man. When I was up there, I, Matt Matt has evolved into a high-level high level head coach. And uh, what I did as an assistant, 
is I grinded, I worked, I, I networked, but I really, in a genuine way, um, but also I kept a little black book. I kept a little black book, and I said, when I become a head coach, I will do this. And so I had all these sheets that I would write and, and, you know, because you like it, like I, I left out of Murray State. And y'all did a little, uh, little four on four shell action, but all you did was defend a, almost like a B cut, like a B3 cut. You know what I'm talking about? You mm-hmm. defended a back I screen, do. down screen. It was like, it was like a constant B3 drill. And I yes. was like, oh my God. That is the most beautiful drill I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I was like, that is incredible. And so, um, you know, you, you're always learning. You're always learning, and you continue learning until they, I guess, put dirt over you. Um, and so I, you, you, that's what you need to do is get a black book and start preparing right now uh, because you're going to be a head coach. you got too much positive energy, and you got – too much of a guy named Morant, not to be one. Tell me about – okay, now listen, when I was at Chattanooga, we had the Steph Curry – we had the Curry uh, show. And so wherever he came, uh, he sold out the place. And now all of a sudden Morant, I don't think he was a secret to a lot of people, but but now all of a sudden he's out – the cat's out of bag. Tell me what it's like to be coaching that guy. Um, it's incredible. It's fun. And the reason I can say that is because he's one of the best teammates I've ever been around. You know, a part of a part of Jaws' deal is, you know, he was with part of two seniors that were unbelievable here: Jonathan Stark and Terrell Miller. Who now? Once again, where did Stark sign originally? Oh, that's right, Chattanooga. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) And so he played with two guys that you know, obviously were first team All Conference guys, but they were leaders and they taught him a lot of how to how to handle himself on and off the court. And so fast forward to this year, you know, you have you lose a lot. You have a new team. You have a bunch of new guys come in that don't really know their way. And John just invested the time in them. You know, it may have been all this other hoopla going on, but he never looks at that stuff. He invests time in his teammates. And so it's been a joy to coach him because everybody around him uh, speaks highly of him, and he speaks the same way about them. You know, if, if you're talking to them about it, you know, he speaks of his teammates before he speaks of anybody else. Second part has been a joy to coach with him is the fact that, you know, he's really successful and he has all this glitz and glamour. But he, he, the teammates have been shining more because he talks about them more than anything else. He rarely talks about himself unless you make him do it. And our team has been really good because we have a cohesive unit that works together with Ja, but in their part as well. And it, he makes life a whole lot easier for the coaches because you don't have to worry about him bringing energy to practice, him bringing his work ethic to practice, him bringing the positive juice to practice, him being unselfish. You don't have to worry about any of that because that comes naturally to him. Sounds so like naturally. a really talented Casey Long. No, much better than that. <laughs> no, it's, it's, he, he's, a, he's a little bit different, coach. He's a little bit different. But, you know, we have a lot of other – You know, a lot of people don't understand. We, we have a relatively young team. Like a lot of the players that's been factors for us are, are really young and – He's been been great for their maturation process, and he's just a sophomore himself. Yeah, he's a nineteen year old kid. Yeah, Ooh. you better you better enjoy a sophomore year, my friend. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. all right, the last question is on senior night. Are y'all going to do something for him on senior night? Because I haven't that, even because that, that's going to be the last time he plays uh, up at the Racer Dome up in Murray. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you just got to enjoy every step of the way with him and. 
I know you got a big one coming up with Belmont. That's going to be a blast, and y'all play the right way. And I was so happy for all of y'all last year when you went to the tournament. You know, is you know, it's interesting. I talked to Rick Rick Bird, and and he talked about shaking hands with the coach afterwards. And um, he said, when I win a game, uh, you know, I, I do know the first thing I do know is that I'm getting ready to shake hands with has just lost a game, and 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 so you know when when I see how happy. Matt is when you go to the NCAA tournament and how disappointed Rick is. But Rick's about 98 years old and has been to 58 NCAA tournaments, and that was that was number one for Matt. A lot of fun to watch. Um, Casey Long. The thing, the thing is, too, Coach, but along with that is, you know, it, I've been fortunate to work for three good men and with yourself, Coach Wade and, and, and Coach McMahon. And, you know, I was happy for Coach McMahon more so than anything because, you know, how he runs his program is, is indicative of how he is as a person. And it lines on and off the court. Everything lines up. So his passion that he has in the game is the same passion he has when he goes to his house, the same passion he has with the players, the same passion he has with his kids, you know. So it, it's, you know, when you see somebody and, and how they carry themselves, for me, you know, I never told him this, but it's for me, um, you know, I enjoyed that mostly more than anything because I get the opportunity to learn from how he carries himself because he does it the, the right way. He does it the way he wants to do it, and he invests in the players the same way he invests in his family, and I just think that's pretty cool. And, and I, I try to take away from every coach I've been a part I try to take a little bit from them. You know, I love taking away your shell drills. Also, <laughs> love this. I, I also, I can remember the fact that, you know, I've been to your – I was at your house more as a player than anything else. I knew we were going to do things like a family. So I knew as a team we were going to be a family. Why? Because our head coach is a family. Yeah. And so I try to take little things from everybody, but watching him win the tournament, watching us go to the tournament, and watching the work he put in on and off the court, man, it, it was it was really cool, and I enjoyed watching it, you know, as a fan of Coach McMahon. Well, the next time we talk to you, we'll, we'll just say, uh, "What are the keys to being a great head coach?" Because Casey Long, you, you're going, you, you're you, you're on the right track, and you got a successful mindset and a growth mindset. A lot of fun, you know. I love you. Uh, just, I appreciate your time on a Sunday afternoon, taking it after a long road swing, and and good luck. I got a, I got a feeling we're going to see a bunch in March, and Morant's going to be the next Curry story, which will be a lot of fun for you and. Uh, so just enjoy the journey like you always do, and um, have a great end of the year. No, I thank you for the opportunity on the podcast, and I thank you for the opportunity to get me into coaching as well. You're awesome, man. You've taken it and run with it. I'm proud of you. Love you, proud of you, and appreciate you. Love you too, Coach. All Talk right, to buddy. you later, man. Take care.